If you are with our children, we have children's services uh, ages up to second grade. I think they're already heading out the door. I can see my daughter leading the troop out. Um, you are welcome to join them. Laney, will you make sure they get to Audrey real quick? Looks like they're going. They're going to make it. Never mind. No fear. No fear. As we open up our scriptures today, I want to remind you that since we have celebrated the Lord's Supper today, um, we are also going to collect a love offering for our partner church in Indianapolis, Living Faith Church. Uh, Living Faith Church has just opened a second campus in, in the, the center of uh, Indianapolis. They are currently located near the Indianapolis Zoo is their main location. And then they've opened up a second location in Irvington, Indiana, which is just a suburb, still very much so in the heart of the city and just an opportunity to reach more people um, for the, the, na- the sake of the gospel. And uh, that, that opened up just a few weeks ago. And so as you uh, feel led to give, we will collect a love offering at the end of the service and all of that will go to them to help them in their ministry as they reach the law of Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you'd like to know more about that, uh, you can talk to me, but I would also encourage you to be a part of our revival services. On Monday of our revival services, we'll be focusing on missions and the call to missions and how we as a church and, and we as a community are called to get the gospel out there, both here and there and, and, and way over there. And uh, you'll get to learn a little bit more about uh, our mission and what we do in Indianapolis with Living Faith Church. Having said all that, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans is in the New Testament after the Gospels and after the book of Acts. It is the first of Paul's epistles. And it's the first not because it was written first, but rather because it's the biggest. We are going to look at Romans chapter 9. And we're going to be reading the first five verses of Romans chapter chapter 9. And I would invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, if you are able. And the word of God says this. It says, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. Please be seated. As we continue on in our road to revival, We have spent the last several weeks in preparation for revival services that are coming in in just three weeks. Three weeks from today, Mr. Sean Caldell will be standing up on this stage instead of me, and we will be in revival. And we are taking the time between we started this in September and and until revival services start to prepare our hearts and our minds to not only do the, the work and do the work of revival in our community, but also prepare ourselves. And the last several weeks, we have really focused in on ourselves. We've talked about the need for repentance and how we need to, at this season of revival in our church, and our church's life, we need to be taking to the Lord the things that we are not being faithful in and, and repenting of those. 
We have uh, talked about the, the need for revival and how we need to recognize that, that even though we see revival happening in our church and we see that which was asleep becoming awake in our church, we need to continue to recognize that and begin to revive what is good in our church. We've been called to pray and to pray not only for for us and that, that God will work through us and work in a mighty way, but also pray for our community and so that we might see our community's heart begin to become more softened to the gospel. I have to admit, I'm, I'm very excited because I was in Sunday school class this morning and I'm going to tell on some people, but I won't, you know, not too bad. And again, if you are not in a Sunday school class, you need to get in a Sunday school class. We meet at 945. Most of it really, truly starts at 10 um, because you know how you people are. Um, and by you people, I mean we people. We start about 10 o'clock. We have several classes that you can come into, get into the word together, encourage one another, um, share life together. And as we were doing that this morning... We had two people, Chris and Philip, both began to tell stories about how they have talked with people about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how they have seen those people's hearts become softened to the gospel. And that follow and that follow up conversations are already planned. Guys, prayer works and God is moving and revival is happening and we need to be ready. So be excited. I hope you are excited. Because starting today, we're going to start really shifting our focus maybe away from us and preparing us for revival and start putting our focus on the world around us and the need for revival that is around all of us today. That there is a need for revival in the Tunnel Hill area. There's a need for revival in Elizabethtown and in Hardin County and all the areas that our church touches through our ministries and what we do. In our passage today, we find Paul, after he has spent eight chapters in this letter, thoroughly explaining the gospel to the church in Rome. Specifically, the, the main point of all that he has said up to this point is that salvation comes by grace through faith, and that it has been offered freely to all who will place their faith in Jesus Regardless of whether they are Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free, that the gospel is for everyone. And that is good news. But this leads Paul to the words that he has just shared with us. Because Paul understands that even though the gospel is for everyone, Israel has for the most part rejected that gospel. This is an interesting context because the Roman church has, by this point, is predominantly Gentile believers. And while there are certainly uh, 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 several Jewish believers and there is a Jewish community that lives in the city of Rome, that they are, are struggling with this idea of the old covenant versus the new covenant and all that goes with that. And as he has explained the new covenant and the gospel and the gospel is now going out to the nations, there's a question behind all of that about what about the Jews? What about Israel? Paul, you are a, a Hebrew. In fact, you say in other passages, you are a Hebrew's Hebrew and a Pharisee and all these things. But what about them? And this creates an emotional response in Paul that we ought to take note of today. Because much like Paul, we live in a day in a, in a place where despite a historical relationship with God, 
Because if you think about it, we live in the Bible Belt. We live here in, in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. We've got Severance Valley just up the road that has historically one of the, the oldest church this side of some mountain range that I don't remember the name of. Thank you. I heard, I heard someone say it. That they have this, this, this great history of the Bible and the gospel being here in this area. Most people around us are far from God. Think about that for just a second. Sometimes we take for granted that we have a church on every street corner. I bet everybody here, with very few exceptions, had to drive by at least one church to get to this church today. Some of you drove past two churches, three churches, four churches. Some of you have probably never even took the time to count how many churches you drive past just to get here because you are so used to seeing churches as you drive everywhere in Elizabethtown or in Hardin County. And yet, I want you to understand something today. And I've mentioned this statistic several times in the past. A couple of years ago, in a census was taken up. They did a survey. Um, we all filled it out. It came out and it revealed that on any given Sunday, church participation in Hardin County, and I'll remind you, this is Hardin County. This is here. This is not Jefferson County. This is not Fayette County. This is not some big city. In Hardin County, on any given Sunday, only about 18% of the population is engaged in some sort of worship. That's not even distinguishing between different uh, denominations and different groups and, and, and different belief systems. It's just groups that worship regularly. Only 18% of Hardin County is worshiping on a weekly basis. Which means, if you think about it, as you drove to church this morning, and as you passed all of those churches, you probably passed some homes. And as you passed those homes, only about one in every five households, in fact, less than that, one in every five households that you would drive past has any involvement in worship as we speak right now. This really shouldn't be a surprise because while we may drive here, I know for me and my drive and, and mine might be a little messed up because I get here early, maybe earlier than a lot of people get up and get out for church. But as I drive here on a Sunday morning, I see driveways filled with cars. I see people walking their dogs. I see the parking lot at Freeman Lake full. I remember when I used to live in a different location, I would drive past Walmart and Target and Lowe's and they would always, parking lots would be full as I made my way to church. So for as, 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 as religious as we think we are, as much as we think we are a part of the Bible Belt here in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, we have to recognize the fact that most... In fact, an overwhelming of the majority of this county has no connection to or relationship with God as it relates to how they interact with church and gather to worship him corporately. On top of this, you've probably already seen the news that recently a survey was done by Pew Research and they said that based on current trajectories that Christianity would be a minority religion in the United States by an only a few years. In fact, by 2045, which is not that far away, Christianity, if things continue the way they are, will be a minority religion in the United States. 
this has to be a wake-up call for us today. We need to start to have the same burden for the lost and for the people surrounding us today that we see in Paul in our passage today. We need to have the same response. We need to have the same emotions. We need to have the same burden that we see for Paul. Let me, let me explain this just a little bit. We, I want you the first thing I want you to notice about what Paul says is, is Paul immediately identifies himself with Israel. He says, if you, if you go back, I think it's verse three, he says that, that these are Israelites. I could, uh, let me say, let me get verse, uh, let me look at my passage. Verse four, thank you. It says, who are Israelites who belong to his adoptions of sons. He refers to them in verse three as my brethren and my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Even though he is talking to the Roman church, which is predominantly Gentile, he makes a point of identifying himself with Israel because he recognizes that that is his group. Those are his people. That is his culture. That is his worldview. And he has taken ownership of those people. Will we do the same thing today? And I don't want us to just think about, you know, uh, ethnicity or, or nationality or anything like that. When he's talking about them, I want us to think about our people, the people that live in this area. When we think about Elizabethtown or maybe even more specifically Tunnel Hill, when we think about the, the Farmgate community or, or one of the other neighborhoods that's immediately around us, when we think about Woolridge Ferry, Tunnel Hill Church Road, Tunnel Hill Road, are these, or do we look at these people and say, these are our people. These are the people that God has entrusted to us here at Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. Do we look at, at our surrounding neighborhood and even, even Hardin County and Elizabethtown and say, listen, this is my city. This is my town. I live here. I pay taxes here. I shop here. I eat here. I do everything here. This is my town and I'm going to have a burden for this town. See, Paul was saying, these are my brethren. These are my, this is my family. This is my people. And we need to have that same idea. As we look in the book of Acts, we begin to recognize that because Paul shared such a close background with these people, he would often go to them first when he was sharing the gospel. Acts 17 says this, it says, now when they had traveled through a pamphlet, oh, hold on, let me say that correctly. Amphipolis, there you go, and Apollyanna, that they came to Thessalonica, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. See, he did that on purpose because those were the people that he had the most in common with. He had a, a shared worldview, he had a shared background, they had a shared history. And they, they had something in common. And so he took what they had in common, which was the Old Testament, was the Scriptures, and he used that to share the Gospel with them. You have a shared experience with lots of people in a lot of different ways. They may be because they're in your neighborhood. And they know what maybe traffic is like in your neighborhood. Or they know what, what the weather is like and all those things. Some of you have a shared background because of schooling. Because you graduated from East Harden back when that was the high school. Or you graduated from Central or from E-Town. And you have that background. Some of you just have the thing where you, you know the, the restaurants. When someone says the old Coke building, you know what they're talking about. 
Or when they say the old Walmart, you know what building that is. Because you have a shared background. You have things in common with these people because you're there. And we have those things in common with all of these people. And so these are the people that God has entrusted us with that they might hear the gospel through us. We have people. And we have people that God has entrusted to us. And those people might look a little bit different than what Paul is saying, but they're all people. See, our people are our families. Our people are our coworkers or our classmates. Our people are the employees at the businesses that we go to that begin to recognize us and we recognize them. There are neighbors around the church building. There are neighbors where we live. They're the families of our kids on sports teams. They're the people who who are in our area and in our city and our county that for some reason God crosses our, uses them and makes them to cross our path in whatever reason. And we have to take ownership just like Paul does of Israel. In fact, Paul even said this to the church in Corinth when he was challenging them with this same mindset. He says, become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 34. We have to recognize that there are people who are around us who do not know God. I say it all the time that we live in a day and age where there will be people who will spend a significant portion of their life driving past this church, maybe even living on Tunnel Hill Church Road, And if you ask them, what do they do in that building up there on the hill? They would say, I have no idea. Because they've never set foot in a church. They would be scared to death to do so, let's be honest. And they don't know who we are, what we believe, and why we choose to even identify with each other. There are people in our lives who know nothing about God. They don't know who Jesus is. They know nothing about salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. And God has put them right here, right now in our lives for us to do something about that. And we have to ask the question, are we going to take ownership of that? Are we going to say, these are my people? You may say, well, why, why do we need to do that? Why is it so important? Like, we're here. I wear the t-shirt. I got one. I got a, I got a Tunnel Hill t-shirt ordered. Is that enough? Why is it so important that I talk to people about all of this Jesus stuff? And I'm going to give you a very, a very short, but a very hopefully succinct answer. And it is this, because they are going to hell. If we go back to the text and look again at the beginning of verse 3, he says this, For I wish that I could make myself accursed and separated from God for the sake of my brethren. Paul is wishing that he could trade places with Israel because he knows that this is their situation. But you think about it again, that they are accursed and that they are separated from God. We see this all over the New Testament. And if you want to know who talked the most about hell and the reality of hell, it was actually Jesus himself. But nevertheless, I want to read to you from from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
And he said that Jesus would be dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of God and from the glory of his power. Guys, this is the reality of the world around us who does not know God and has not received the gospel. They are, let me read for that, to, read that to you again, that they are destined to pay the penalty of eternal destruction. And that they will be away from the presence of the Lord and from his glory and power. Paul knew that this was the destiny of his kinsmen if they did not receive the gospel and believe. And I want us to recognize that this is true for us as well. There is undoubtedly that as I talked about your people and who I described, whether it was your neighbors or your co-workers or your classmates or your friends or your the, the, the other parents on your kid's soccer team or whatever it might be, you thought of somebody and now I want you to think about them in the same place that Paul says that Israel is in. That if they have not placed their faith in Jesus, that if they are still dead in their sins, that they are destined to pay the penalty for their sin by way of eternal destruction. And that if they do not hear the gospel and believe that they will be away from the presence of God and from his glory and his power. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you today, we cannot be okay with this. We cannot be satisfied to stay in this church, to have the good news of the gospel and to keep it for ourselves. We can't be okay with it. We can't say, well, that's on them. They know where the church is. They, we have a website. We put our, our sermons out on a podcast. Let it, I, the, if, if they really wanted to, they could find us. Guys, we cannot think that way. We cannot live that way. We cannot be okay with our, our people doomed and destined to hell and us do nothing about it. In fact, this reality should stir up in us the same sorrow and unceasing grief that Paul describes at the beginning of the passage. We should have a burden for the lost. And we live among people who are dead in their sins. And we have the good news that will change everything. We have something that our family, that our friends, that our neighbors, that our co-workers desperately need. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the reality is, is the only hope that these people have for transformation, the only hope that these people have to pass from death into life is found in the person and the work of Jesus. Even Paul himself says, if we skip forward to the beginning of chapter 10, this brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for, it, for them is for their salvation. 
That is what they want. That is what they desire, that they might receive salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It is no mistake that this statement is what begins chapter 10. And then also in chapter 10, we find these words that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, abounding in riches for all those who call on him. When Paul thought of Israel, he he saw a people who trusted in their own righteousness and trusted in their own religiousness to make them right with God. And when we look at the people in our lives that are far from God, more often than not, they are thinking that exact same thing. They are thinking because maybe at some point they or a relative attended some church or some VBS or, or something else that they're right with God or they're trusting that they are a good person and because they're a good person that that should hopefully mean they're right with God. They're hoping because they are a hard worker at their job that that might make them right with God. They're hoping that because they are an American that they are in some way, shape, or form right with God. But the reality is is that they are far from God. They are destined for hell. And you have the good news that can change all of that. We have this news. We have been entrusted with the Word. And it's not about being Baptist. It's not about Tunnel Hill. Religion is not going to bring these people to God. Family traditions are not going to bring these people to God. Church or denominational affiliation is not going to bring these people to God. But the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring people to God. We share the gospel. And people get saved. That's the reality. And the more we share the gospel, the more people will get saved. But the less we share the gospel, the less people will get saved. Lanny, let's bring up the three circles. And I want to see how well we're doing here. Because if you're visiting today, we are so glad you are here. There's going to be cake later. I'm glad you're here. But if you are been here for a while, I want to test you on this right now. Unless Lainey's given us our first one. The first thing is God's design. Hopefully you know that one. This is how we share the gospel here at Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. If you have never seen this before, pay attention. This is a great way to share your faith. First thing we believe, we believe that God has a design, that God created things on purpose, with a purpose. And Genesis 1 says that God created all things and he looked at his creation. He said, and lo, it is very good. And if we could just, you know, stay doing what God created us to do, then everything would be great. But we don't. Now, don't put it up yet, Lainey. What's the next thing? Sin. Oh, I heard, a, I heard beautiful voices over here. That was wonderful. Next thing up on there is sin. And the reality is, is we don't follow God's design. We don't keep it. We don't stay in line with what God is doing. And instead, we sin against God. And sin is when we do what we want to do, how we want to do it. And then if I, what I would say next is in sin, if you'll notice, it's an arrow and it takes us somewhere. Where does it take us? Nice brokenness. And brokenness is something that we can feel inside of ourselves, right? I could give you scripture on brokenness, but I don't need to. 
because you know what brokenness is. Brokenness is that part of us that knows that we aren't who we should be. That we in some way, shape, or form are falling short of what maybe we were made to do and we feel like out of sorts and out of place. We feel broken. And we try to fix our brokenness and that's what those squiggly lines mean a lot of different ways. But we have to recognize the fact that we cannot fix our brokenness from our brokenness. So we need something outside of our brokenness, right? What is that something outside of our brokenness? The gospel. And the gospel is that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. And that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave three days later and he ascended to go back to be with the father. Now, how on earth, people, do I get from brokenness to the gospel? Repent and believe. That's what we actually just read about in Romans chapter 10, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And that's what repentance and believing is. It's saying that I'm going to do God's will with my life, that I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my master, turning away from sin and turning towards Jesus and believing that God raised him from the dead, that Jesus was, in fact, the son of God who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose from the grave three days later, and ascended to be with the Father. And if we will repent and believe in the gospel, then we will be saved from our brokenness and from our sin so that we might... Nice, Lane, you get, you, get a, you get a corner piece of cake today. That's what you get. That we will recover and pursue God's design for our life. Now, judging by the general sound in the room, and I know we have a lot of people gone because of fall break, You guys know this. You, I'm going to say it to you again so that you're really here. You know this. You have everything you need to share the Christ with someone. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can stutter through it a little bit. Your circles can be a little oblong and you can just put a a G and then a B and then a, well, maybe not a G, maybe something else. And then you can do whatever you need to do to present this. You can do this. You have everything you need to share your faith with somebody. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, if anything, because their decision and their response to the gospel is not up to you. That God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will use you. And God will do the work and the Holy Spirit will convict them during sin and they will have to respond to the gospel. And you're not responsible for how they respond. You are just responsible about whether you share or not. We would ask you today, as you are looking at this picture on the screen, where are you? Because if you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you've not believed in the gospel and repented of your sin and and turned to God, then you are undoubtedly still in a place of brokenness. And if you were going to ask somebody, if they were wanted to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you may ask them, where do they see themselves on this picture? And if they said, well, I, I think I'm in that place of brokenness still, then you can ask this question. This is that golden question. What is keeping you from making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today. And if you are with us today and the answer to that question is nothing, then we do want to have a conversation with you 
about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. But if you are with us today and you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and even if you aren't, but you're ready to, you have this. You know this. You can do this. Paul was so moved by the lostness of his kinsmen that he would, have he would have gladly traded places with them that they might be saved. But since he could not do this, he dedicated his whole life to proclaiming the gospel, reasoning with them through the scriptures so they might see that Jesus is the Christ and showing them the blessings of God through people being transformed by the power of the gospel. Let us do the same thing today. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all nations, and that, that go could be translated as as we go or as we are going. And I would challenge you today that as you and as we are going about our lives, as we are working, parenting, living, running kids all over God's creation, going to doctor's appointments or whatever it may be, may we be a witness to the good news that we have in Christ Jesus. And may we show people who Jesus is by what we do and what we say, by the hope that we have in us. And may we do everything in our power right now to see the lost get found and the dead be made alive in Christ. You have the gospel. You have an opportunity to maybe create those conversations through revival services that we have coming up in just three weeks. May we be found faithful. And may we have a burden for the lost right here and right now. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and King, we thank you so much for the good news of the gospel. Lord, we stand in humble awe that you have entrusted us with this gospel. Lord, I pray that today we might have a burden for the lost in this community. And Lord, I know that sometimes that burden for the lost in, in, in our home and in our community can become so overwhelming that, it, that, it, that we do nothing. And God, I pray that you would just put a burden in our hearts for, for one person. That there would be one person, God, that you would just put on our heart that we might actively pursue as we share the good news of the gospel with them, as we invite them to revival, as we encourage them to seek the Lord. And Lord, every single one of us has a different person that you've put on our heart. And God, it is my hope and my prayer that, that even now you would go forth ahead of us and that you would begin to soften the heart of that person so that they might be open to gospel conversations, that they might be willing to, to come to a revival service, and God, that through that they might be saved from their sins. God, we recognize that this is a work of yours and that we cannot do anything to make these things happen. But God, please just move in our hearts, convict us that we might go to them. And Lord, that we will take all that we have and that you might use it to make the gospel known in our area. Lord, if there's anyone here today that, that needs to give their life to Christ, that needs to surrender themselves to you and make Jesus Christ the Lord of, them, of their life, Lord, I pray that today is the day they do it. And Lord, that they will take that good news to the people in their life as well. 
God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.